From Johannesburg to Jerusalem, the world is always changing, growing and innovating. Join Benji Shulman for the next hour as he brings you the trendsetters, the thought leaders and those creating news before it happens. Only on the new Blue Review, your favorite Jewish culture and current affairs show. Every Monday at 9 a.m. right here on 101.9 High FM. Kevin Musicanti is the coach of the Israeli national rugby team and he is on the line. Kevin, welcome to the show. Thanks for being with us on the new Blue Review. Thanks for inviting me, Benji. How's it going? Very, very well, thanks. Now, Kevin, we know about the startup nation, uh, but uh, do we have an up-and-under nation? Let's hope so. That's the plan. The plan is certainly to develop a up-and-under nation within the startup nation. And, and I mean, it is a joke. I know that I'm, I'm, I'm making it, but, you know, you don't really, you know, the, the biggest sports in Israel are basketball, soccer, certainly. Uh, I don't know, maybe some of the expats play cricket. Maybe walk us through a little bit uh, about the history of rugby uh, in Israel and, uh, you know, who, who is actually playing it and, and what kind of support does it have? It's ironic um, that you mentioned the biggest sports. You are correct. Uh, football is the football and basketball. You've got that spot on. Uh, but ironically, the Israeli rugby team is actually the highest ranked national team, sports team in Israel. We, we're in the top 60 in the world, um, which puts us in the highest ranking in that regard. And not many people know that. Uh, our tour to Dubai obviously had uh, interest from other aspects as well, which brought people towards this. There was a lot of media coverage in Israel and a lot of stuff on social media that guys are starting to realize that Israel plays rugby and uh, with a bit of planning and a bit of um, focus, maybe we can get to a World Cup or get to the Olympic Games. So the history, uh, just very briefly, is recently we played a 100th test, first one being in the 80s. The South Africans obviously um, have a big role in, in Israeli rugby. The first captain of the Israeli rugby team was a guy called Milton Kaplan, who is an ex-South African, grew up in the Free State. Um, and he's kind of, him and a, a few guys started started rugby in Israel. And sort of uh, 20 years twenty years later, uh, 30, 40 years later, we have 100 test matches under our belt. So that's, uh, I mean, good to know. It, is, is rugby mostly a... Uh, a sport that you associate with Olive and expats? Or, I mean, do you have any actual suburbs who are, who are playing rugby now? Traditionally, it was expats. But as things have evolved, there's a league in Israel and the league is growing. Uh, actually, it's mainly suburbs now. You know, it's mainly, which is great to see. It's the local guys. Um, and a few exciting things which will hopefully bring uh, Jews from the diaspora and good rugby players coming to Israel to play rugby and hopefully in time being eligible to play for the national program. Now, let's talk a little bit about the work that uh, you've been doing as well in the, in the broader context of things. Um, recently, there was this Abraham's Cup, this, um, this rugby tournament between the Israelis uh, and the UAE. I mean, if we're joking about rugby in, in Israel, uh, you know, the UAE is possibly even less uh, well known for its rugby yet. Uh, th this is a, a match that you guys were actually able to put together and and, and quite easily with, with a variety of, of, of players. A absolutely, but it was much, much more than a, than a rugby match. Uh, it is true. It was the first official national rugby game between Israel and the UAE, um, which is great because we made history there. But more than that, we were in a training camp with Emiratis. And more than that, after the Sons of Abraham Trophy, which 
uh, Israel won. Um, more than that, we, we combined and we played for peace, you know, with, um, with commemorative jerseys, with both Federation logos on, with peace written in English and Shalom written in Hebrew and Inshallah written in Arabic. Uh, it was streamed around the world. It was the first time that Israelis of national level and an Arab state of national level were playing together on the same team. And that was basically... I mean, it was a highlight. That was the highlight of the whole tour. Now, talk to us a little bit about what it must have been like to put together. I mean, not only are you working in the context of this uh, new peace initiative that's happening, but uh, also uh, you're also working on the, on the fact that uh, that you had to do it under COVID. What was it like to actually have to engage in, in quite uh, complicated circumstances? Well, you speak about the startup nation, and uh, and I think it's interesting. I think there's something special about it, aside from just being overcoming difficulties. There was just one difficulty after the other. That's obviously, you know, take COVID for example. We probably one of the only national rugby matches that was actually being played, and we managed to pull it off. Then there was obviously getting the government approval and traveling during this period of time. Never mind the the recency of the Abraham Accord being signed. You know, go back a few months and you couldn't even make a phone call between each other, which is, which is amazing how things materialized. And then when we got to the airport, only half the team got on the plane, uh, because the other half of the team, there was some issue, had to stay behind and only arrived sort of 12 hours before the match. So it's just weird how miracles can and do happen. And, and, and the, in, in the UAE, who are the people who, who play rugby? I mean, it's also a similar kind of initial expat culture and then, uh, sort of broader into the rest of society? It is, it is. But they have two sections. You know, they have the, they, they play in a very strong Asian league. Uh, we obviously in the European league, but they play in a strong Asian league. You know, they could play against Japan, China. Um, those countries are really, have run professional programs. And mainly those are expats. But for this particular national game and camp, this, these were actual local guys. These were guys that are the same as, our Sabres, so we had sort of Sabres against local guys from the UAE, which made it that much more special. Um, so you are correct. It is, there is a high expat ratio in uh, the UAE in general. Um, but in this particular case, it was the Emiratis were local boys. I want to talk a little bit about your links with South Africa. Uh, you know, you've, you've coached at a, a range of, of levels. And, uh, and, and in fact, last year, you had the Israeli rugby team coming out to South Africa. What, what role is South Africa playing in, in, in Israel's development uh, as a national team? As you say, you want to go to the Olympics, maybe the World Cup. Uh, where are we playing a role as South Africa? Well, I think there's a, there's a huge Jewish influence in South African rugby. We know that we, have a, we had a minion of, recently uh, with Joel Stransky, we had a minion of Jews that, that have played for South Africa, which if you consider our section of the population and you consider how tough it is to make a Springbok rugby team is quite an achievement um, from our community. And further than that, instrumental in starting rugby in Israel. So it, it was sort of logical uh, with me um, being recruited to be the national program director and coach. It was logical for me to use my South African ties. I'm still involved in South African rugby. I'm director of rugby currently at King David Linksfield as well. So um, I'm half the year in South Africa and half the year in Israel. And South Africans, especially our community, it's probably one of the biggest areas in which we could help Israel. It's not that easy to help Israel anymore. You know, it's, uh, Israel's a thriving country and, of course, needs as much support as possible, but at the same time, sort of gets on with it. Uh, but here is an area in where 
where South African South Africans and especially South African Jews can really really help um, the growth and uh, of Israeli rugby. Now, although obviously you say there's this uh, South African link, and um, uh, you know you've been doing a, a lot of, of work. You, there's also the, the link between Israel and the European. You, you, you say that you're in, in the European leagues, a lot of guys are playing. Uh, there's obviously some South Africans in those leagues as well. Uh, so, so what is the Israeli link to Europe like? And, and are, are players playing in, in some of the French clubs or the British clubs, something like that? There are players in Europe. We've got some in England. Um, we've got a player in Wales. We've got a player playing second division rugby in France. But sort of coming back to South Africa again, it's, uh, you know, obviously growing up in South Africa, coaching rugby here for the last 20 years at, at various levels, um, you, you realize that South Africa, from rugby terms, it's like Brazil and soccer. And the best players in the world come from the schools in South Africa and the leagues are structured and there's so many games that are played week in and week out. And this is the area which really can help the Israeli rugby players. I had uh, 10 Israelis here prior to COVID um, that were playing in the league structure and it really, really helped them. You know, the, the difference is huge when guys get an opportunity to live rugby. There's a big difference. In Israel, the, you know, it's, as you say, it's not the most popular sport and it's still growing. Whereas in South Africa, it's established. The guys get looked after here by the community. And, and again, the more supportive the community is, and, and that's not just from a South African context, but as mentioned, the opportunities here the, for, for games and for high level is far greater. So, so as part of your your plan for for Israel rugby going forward, uh, and I'm assuming when you're talking about the Olympics, also talking about sevens and and I guess women's rugby because that's also huge uh, when it comes to sevens in places like America, that sort of thing. South Africa is actually key to making that a success. Definitely. I think, I think the diaspora is key to making that a success. I think it's our responsibility to inform um, the diaspora of, of the happenings and the goals. But in particular, South Africa is key. And it's not just the Olympics and the Sevens. It's also the World Cup and the Fifteens. In, in both regards, requires planning, fortitude, support, uh, and, and opportunity for our guys. You know, our guys, given the opportunity, our guys have talent. And ultimately, once they put on the playing fields, they don't realize they're standing next to guys from Paul Boys and Paul Jim, you know, top traditional schools. They, they take their opportunities and end up um, impressing. Now, Kevin, there has been some, uh, you know, there was a, a little bit of one or two media articles about the presence of the, the Israeli rugby side. Do you think that, uh, do you think that's, that rugby, in, in, in a funny way, that helped bridge divides between Israel and the UAE? Do you think it could play that role here in South Africa as well? I suppose that's our dream. Uh, we've seen it happen before. We've seen how sport can unify and sport can um, break barriers. I think it can do so much more than politics. Obviously, from my side, as, as a rugby coach, and especially now what's just happened with the UAE, when you saw the Israelis and, and the Emirates playing together, it's, it it was impossible to notice that that was the first time that it's actually ever happened. It looked like it was just completely natural. There was nothing fake about it at all. In fact, uh, what's interesting and I think of interest to everybody is when we actually combined, the coaches had no role to play other than uh, choosing the two separate teams, myself and the coach of the UAE, a guy called Apollo Perellini, a New Zealander. Uh, we just sat in the middle and we just got to let the players get on with them. That's from preparing... <laughs> That's from practicing. The players just did it themselves. And it was the very first time of engagement. 
So it just shows you when, you know, when you're going to pass a ball to somebody that can, there's no prejudice in doing that. And I think sport can, um, can do that. And I'm obviously biased that rugby is the, rugby can make the bigger difference than other sports. But I think just sports in general, when, when players can play with each other and, and play together and play against each other, shake hands afterwards, that can do a hell of a lot in terms of bringing different cultures together. What about your career as a coach? Uh, you, you, as you say, you, you coach King David, you've coached uh, uh, sort of provincial club teams in the Cape uh, and, a num- and you know, a number of other. You, you helped win the Varsity Cup for UCT. Would you like to see your coaching career grow here in South Africa as well? I think, I think wherever you are, uh, you, I mean, I've been coaching for a very, very long time and I've been involved in 11 different institutions and you're correct. Uh, obviously the highlight of that was in 2014 being the head coach of UCT when we won the varsity cup, which tournament's currently going on at the moment on TV. Um, but you know, I think the pinnacle of any coaching career is to be able to coach international rugby. I would never have thought. Uh, that that would be in Israel and and ironically it just worked out that way and I'm fully committed to that now but at the same time it's you know South Africa to crack it in South Africa to make it in South Africa as I said it's it's the Brazil the the soccer version the rugby version of Brazil and soccer it really it would be fantastic and I'm blessed to be able to be in both places at the same time. Now Talk to us a little bit about how people can help. Uh, I'm not even sure actually when, when I suppose it's not this Olympics, it would have to be the next one uh, that you would be aiming for. The, the Rugby World Cup is in a few years' time. Um, so, so what is the plan and how can people practically help in terms of what uh, Israeli rugby is doing? I think there are many avenues to help. There's lots of caveats and areas of assistance that we need. Uh, I think you mentioned at the beginning, you said, not the most popular sports in Israel. One is the awareness and for everyone to know. Secondly is as South Africans, as a community in South Africa, to realize that um, that's our team. It's a team that we can get behind. It's the third most professional sport in the world, rugby. And in, in, and in Israel, it's still amateur, which means we are competing in a professional environment with amateur guys that are still working, some of whom um, have three jobs just to be able to play rugby because they have to give away three evenings a week to be able to stay relevant and stay in good good nick. Um, so it's slowly turning into a semi-professional environment. Our only hope for it, for us to go to the Olympics or for us to go to the World Cup would be professionalism. We've actually just got an opportunity to have a pro franchise in Europe, which is amazing. Uh, and definitely we're going to need support in that. Um, and the support is not just financial, but in, in many instances it is. Uh, we're in a professional environment with an amateur with an amateur federation at the moment. Hopefully that will change in time, but I think we have to do it from within. We're not the only country in the world that has had to go that route. Germany almost got to the Olympics and the World Cup, being semi-professional, then going professional, getting a good sponsor. So we need a sponsor uh, and we need community support and we need the diaspora to realize that, you know, Israel plays rugby, Israel can get to the Olympics, Israel can get to the World Cup. We've got a professional, pro- professionally run program and it's a team to get behind. Yes, right. And I, I hear that, and I think that that is uh, absolutely true. I mean, if a South Africa, if the South Africans in Israel can help send um, a, a rocket to the moon, like we did uh, some time ago, I don't see why we couldn't help uh, send Israel to the World Cup. It's, uh, uh, a, a similar lofty goal, uh, and, and certainly one that I think that we can uh, we can assist with. Rob, Rob, Kevin, if if people 
people want to be involved or follow your progress, uh, I see you've got a very nice article uh, interview that you did in The Citizen that came out today. Uh, how, how can people actually go about uh, following you guys and seeing what you're doing? I think the easiest thing, you know, the, the world's become social media orientated. If anyone, I'm not sure if I can give my number over the radio, but I, I have no problem doing that. But if anyone wants to get hold of me, they can follow Rugby Israel's page, and send a message to that. They can find me on Facebook just with my name, Kevin Musicant. They can send a message to me on that. They can find me on Instagram just with my name, Kevin Musicant. Send a message to me there. And of course, on LinkedIn, and I'll respond. Um, as I say, any support would be great. And just awareness. Follow ours. Follow Rugby Israel, follow the coach, see the progress that's being made and get behind your team. Now, just uh, before you go, I just want to ask about the role that the Maccabeer and Maccabi plays in all of this. Because that really, in terms of the Jewish community, is a huge part of uh, you know, what drives our sporting initiatives. How, how do they fit in with, with this whole discussion? Well, actually, one of the focuses of the Maccabeer was for sports sportsmen and women to come to Israel, realize that there's an opportunity to play sports and ultimately make a Leah and, and do so. You know, I, I was a Maccabee rugby player and then I was a Maccabi coach and that's where the Israelis met me and recruited me and I made a Leah. So it's, it's, there's one success story in terms of the goals of the Maccabee. It also gives us, obviously speaking about rugby now, not, not all the other sports, but it gives us an opportunity to see Jews from around the world playing and uh, again, there's now a platform or a potential platform for us to attract these players to come to Israel, play rugby, play in a pro franchise, uh, help Israel elevate itself. In this particular franchise, we've been drawn uh, with clubs from Georgia, Romania and Russia. Those are World Cup teams. You know, and here we've got Israel that won a wild card to be able to play in such a prestigious tournament. And the, the worst thing would be that we can't do it because we're amateur, because it's a professional tournament. So, and this is happening this year. The Maccabi next year happens. Um, we're then able to attract players to play in this franchise. So I think there are a lot of, we, we're tossing a lot of balls at the moment. And as you say, you said up and under nation or startup nation, we, we're doing exactly that. And, and hopefully these things come off. So the Maccabi is a huge, a huge role player in it and fully supportive of what we're doing on a national program. But in order for Israel to succeed, we need to get on that world stage and we need to produce. And we need to have a proper rugby team that is that based out of Israel and able to compete with the best in the world. Now, just before you go, a comment on women's rugby. It's massive in the States on college campuses. You can I've even know people who played in England and mostly played the sort of seven-style touch rugby. It, is it big in South Africa? Is it big in Israel? Um, and, and if so, why not, uh, given this kind of strong rugby culture that, that, we, that we have, particularly in South Africa? It, it, the Israelis do have a national women's team. It's, it's growing. Again, everything is about growth and it all depends who's leading the program. It does fall under my mandate as technical director. Uh, I believe the UAE have just confirmed that they're going to be touring Israel now and the women's team, which is amazing because that's definitely a global first. Um, and uh, you're correct in saying it's, it's a huge sport. It's the fastest growing team's women's sport in the world. Um, and obviously the plans are the same thing. There's a World Cup, there's Olympic Games. It's, it's sort of um, something that requires focus. South Africa, it doesn't get enough focus, I believe. Uh, that's my belief. There are national teams. Recently, we were in uh, Stellenbosch Academy. We, were, we had a camp 
a couple of weeks ago and the South African women's rugby team was there and it's pretty impressive you know the <laughs> You watch a, a women's World Cup; it's it's really, really impressive. The state of of women's rugby, and a lot of focus should be given to it. There you go, absolutely fascinating stuff uh, with Kevin Musicant. He is the he is the the director of uh, rugby with um, in Israel, the Israeli national rugby team, uh, and has been talking to us just about his historic game with the UAE and plans going forward. Kevin, thank you so much for uh, joining us. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to seeing uh, what happens going, going forward with, with the team. Thank you for inviting me. It's been a great privilege. Thanks, Benji.